we have a very exciting Sunday. It is for the first time called Sevens Sunday. So teens, you are in for this. We have three young men who are going to be preaching for seven minutes each. No longer seven minutes, one after the other, and I am incredibly excited about this. So I am going to pray for Dan. Do you want to come up first? Give it up for Mr. Dan Carter. So I'll do some adjusting because Dan's a bit taller than me. Uh, but uh, Dan Carter, uh, we've known each other for a long time from uh, camps and everything else. Dan teaches here as well. Recently got married to Roxy who serves on team with us. And thanks for being willing. We're so excited. So Lord Jesus, as Dan gets set for, uh, to kick off the first of uh, the seven Sundays, pray that you would use him powerfully. Pray that you would speak through him and uh, that we would all come away from what he says changed. Amen. 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 Fantastic. Good morning, Hope family. Thank you so much. Right, well, without any further ado, I've only got seven minutes, so let's get cracking. Um, I'd like to draw your attention uh, to some of Peter's writings uh, in a second letter. So what you can do if you've got your Bible on your phone, verses will also come up on TV. You can start turning um, to Peter's second letter, which comes after his first letter um, and before John's three letters. And all of this is pretty much right at the end of your Bibles, uh, pretty close to Revelation. And the focus will be 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 12 and 21. So if you could have that in front of you, it would probably help a lot. Um, but as I said, you can also see it on the TVs. So I would love to share with you in the power of Scripture and how it can take place uh, in you. Peter writes this letter at the end, at the, air, at the end of his life, to a community of churches. Closer to my mouth. There we go. Okay, so Peter writes this letter at the end of his life uh, to a community of churches in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, and his purpose for writing this is very clear from chapter 3, verse 18. And maybe you could even have a squiz at it, um, highlight it, make a note. Peter wants his readers to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The letter acts as Peter's farewell speech. As he senses that his death is at hand by King Nero, he begins by offering a final challenge that Jesus' followers must be people who never stop growing by taking heed of the scriptures and developing godly characteristics like what Peter describes in verse 5. And verse 5 says of, cha of chapter 1 of Peter's second letter, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfast steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And so this brings the focus um, back to the text, uh, to today's text, starting in verse 12, where Peter states the letter's purpose. This letter is to act as a memorial of Peter's teachings that can be passed on to later generations because he is not going to be around much longer to give it in person. Verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you now know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of a reminder. And so friends, point number one for my little seven minute talk. The power of Scripture takes place in you when you present the Scriptures. Present and remind those you have influence over the same way Paul does in verse 12. 
Supplement your faith and present the scriptures with virtue, with knowledge, with self-control, with steadfastness, with godliness, which simply means to emulate Jesus' example, and with brotherly and sisterly affection with love. You see, a large part of this letter written by Peter is to give warning about a growing number of corrupt teachers who are leading Christians away from church. Peter points out their corrupt way of life and their distorted theology. And throughout the letter, Peter is countering accusations made by these teachers against himself and the other apostles. And Peter's goal here is simple, is to restore confidence and order to these church communities. And so Peter, with, with urgency, addresses these objections and accusations being made by the corrupt teachers who distort Jesus' teachings and that of the apostles. And so Peter, first in verse 16, and you can have a look at it, addresses an accusation repeated by the skeptics, both present at his time and future, our time. And namely that he and the apostles just made up all this stuff about Jesus being risen from the dead and being king of the world. The skeptics fully believe that Jesus is dead and will not come back one day. And so Peter, in response, offers his eyewitness testimony of the powerful moment of Jesus' transformation on the mountain in verses 16, 17, and 18 of 2 Peter chapter 1. You see, Jesus' transformation took place, and you can read about it in Matthew chapter 17, or in Mark chapter 19, or even in Luke chapter 9. I beg your pardon, it's Mark chapter 9 or Luke chapter 9. And you see, what happened was Jesus was transformed and transfigured, which was the revealing of Jesus in his kingly form. Go check out the story for yourself uh, this coming week. So the apostles saw Jesus exalted as king and his resurrection, which means that he is alive as king and will return to rescue our world one day. And this brings us to the second point. The power of scripture takes place in you when you pay attention to the scriptures. Verse 19, and I particularly like the way the ESV, which is the English Standard Version, puts it. Peter writes, we have something more sure. More sure than your eyewitness accounts? We have something more sure, and that is the prophetic word. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Peter was an eyewitness to so much of Jesus' life and the many miracles he did, from the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, to Jesus' transfiguration. But he has something so profound to say in verse 19. You can be more sure of the prophetic word, which are the words of the Old Testament prophets who all pointed to the future return of Jesus to bring God's kingdom. The same scriptures are here on your lap, on your phone, in my hand. It's so easily accessible. And Peter, the eyewitness, says you can be more sure of what the Bible says. Hope family, pay attention to the scriptures. Just nod your head with me if any of you have been bold enough to turn off your lights when traveling at night. For literally just a few seconds. Anyone done it? Just me. Cool. And the rebel Craig. You should try it. Literally, in an open road, maybe in your neighborhood, just try it. It is scary to drive a car with the headlights turned off. But when you turn them back on, it's not like the car drives itself. You as the driver have still got to pay attention to the road that is being lit up by your headlights. And so in a similar way, 
Paying attention to the road, which is lit up by the headlights, we must pay attention to the scriptures. Don't just have your Bible at home unopened. Read it and pay attention to what it says. The words of the Old Testament prophets are not fabricated fantasies. Rather, through these human words of scripture and through the human Jesus, God himself has spoken to us. And point number three, the last one. The power of scripture takes place in you when you believe in the promises of the scriptures. You can check out 2 Peter 1 verses 20 and 21. No prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Check out 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, all scripture is from God. Here's the author. Peter is encouraging us to take every word from the Bible as if it was from God himself. Friends, lean into the promises of the scriptures and know that they equip every man and every woman of God to do good, everlasting work that has an eternal impact for God and his kingdom. I encourage you, Hope family, in closing, to let the power of scripture take place in you by presenting the scriptures paying attention to the scriptures and believing in the promises of the scriptures. Seven minutes? Amen. Come on. <laughs> so awesome. This is actually my plan because I'm going to be going away on holiday for about three months, um, starting from next week. So I wanted to quickly get these guys ready. Um, Thank you, Dan. So much to take away with. And uh, thank you for your prep and, and what we can learn from it. So hugely appreciate it. Next up, Mr. Killian Mangesi. Give it up for Killian. Is that short enough for you? At least I've got someone at a similar height. Uh, so Killian, we got to know um, ages back actually at school, I think on a, on a trip when I came down for a Zamholz trip. Killian is one of these people who is willing to serve no matter what. Doesn't matter if it's visiting someone, helping in kids' church, being behind like Finn is, doing an amazing job. Um, I, I think that's what we really emulate and that you really just want to walk with the Lord. So Lord Jesus, as Killian gives us the next hit of seven Sundays on prayer, Pray that you would use him, challenge us, instruct us, teach us what it means to talk and hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so I want to begin my preach this morning by sharing with you a quote I came across the other day by Frederick Brotherton Meyer. It says, the greatest tragedy of life is not an answered prayer, but an offered prayer. So often prayer is spoken about as if it's the most important thing a believer can do, and it is. There is no greater privilege than being able to call upon the name of the Lord. Yet in so many of our churches, it is practiced less than anything else. We cannot live this Christian life without the power of prayer. One of the true marks of a believer is someone who trusts in God and prays. Perhaps there's someone in here that struggles with prayer. Perhaps you don't even know how to pray. Simply said, prayer is talking to God. It's a conversation between you and God. 
Andrew Murray described prayer as being something that even the most feeblest child can do, yet at the same time, the highest and most holiest work to which man can rise. And someone who understood the power of prayer was Paul. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Colossians 4, verses 2. Okay. It says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. He begins by saying, continue steadfastly in prayer. In the Greek, the word translated, continue steadfastly, is one word, proskoterio. It means to be persistent in, to persevere, to be consistently diligent. I realize and understand that prayer is difficult and hard. I, I, I can relate to that. It can feel that way sometimes. Maybe you don't even know where to begin. I can relate to being in that place too. But I want to suggest that you begin where the disciples began in Luke, Luke 11 verses 1 by echoing their request to Jesus and that is, Lord, teach us to pray. And that is where I have found myself in the last couple of months on my knees, echoing that request to Jesus. The wonderful thing about the Christian life is that we can come to God, we can come to Jesus just as we are. We don't have to have any abilities, we don't, have, we don't even have to have the abilities to pray long, whatever is in our mind. We can just come to God just as we are, knowing that in Him we have a Savior and a teacher who longs to commune with us and teach us how to pray. We must pray more, we must pray without ceasing, we must be persistent in our prayers. Okay. He goes on to say, be watchful in prayer. Other Bible translations use the words alert and vigilant. The Greek word translated watch means to have alertness of a guard at night. Now, watchmen in the Bible were guards responsible for protecting the towns and military installations from surprise enemy attacks and other potential dangers. Ancient Israelite cities often stationed watchmen on high halls or in watchtowers. Their job was to keep watch and warn the townspeople of impending dangers. Often they were alone in the dark and had to be vigilant, suspecting an enemy attack at any moment. And too often we allow the cares and the burdens of this world to distract us. We get caught up in the business of this world and so find ourselves with very little time left for that which matters the most. And that is time spent reading our Bible and on our knees in prayer. We must take care to guard our hearts against those things that would get in the way of our prayer life. I also want to say that prayer is so much more than just your feelings. There are times when you won't feel like reading the Bible. There are times where you won't feel like praying. There are times when you might not even want to, do, to have anything to do with God. I've been there. And there's a quote by George Muller, who was known as a great man of prayer. And he said, 
It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone, as if it were not of use to read the scriptures when we don't enjoy them, as if it were not of no use to pray when we don't have a spirit of prayer. The truth is that to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. The less we pray, the less we desire to pray. So my encouragement to you is just to continue going. Be persistent, no matter how you feel. And he finally ends off the verse by saying, with thanksgiving. When we read the scriptures, one thing that comes through is how Paul continually encourages us to be thankful and grateful. I want to share a few verses that stand out to me when I think about thanksgiving. Colossians 3 verses 16 says, Let the word of God dwell richly in you, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Philippians 4 verses 6 encourages us not to be anxious, not to worry. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Being thankful draws you closer to God and keeps you humble as you acknowledge your complete and utter dependence of him. It keeps you content and is a reminder of all the gifts that God has given you. It's a great antidote to envy and covetousness. We can be thankful to God despite the circumstances we face. We can grieve and be thankful. We can hurt and be thankful. There's always, always, always a reason to be grateful and thankful. Being thankful changes our hearts by helping us remain in right relationship with God. So, Hope family, I want to just encourage you to seek the Lord in prayer. And on that note, every single Sunday morning at 8.30, we host a prayer meeting. Okay, so if you're one of those early arrivers, please come and join us as we seek the Lord in prayer. Yeah, that's it, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. And I can, I, I really know I was so happy when Killian chose that because he is a prayer warrior. He's someone who really does seek God's heart. He prays. He's there. He's committed. Uh, you were helping at a family member's car accident. They're okay. But I think you got home at 2.30 last night or in the morning and you're prepped and you're ready to go. So thank you. Thank you so much. Last up, give it up for Mr. David McQuaid. Woo! You've already seen Dave, and he helps on music and setups and many things behind the scenes as well. But uh, you've also just uh, been having lack of sleep because of a new baby around on the corner. Jack's having less sleep than you, though. But either way, um, I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for Dave. Thank you that he um, is a man after your heart, like King David. Thank you that he seeks you. Thank you that he wants to honor you. Thank you the example he sets to so many. And he speaks as he speaks and closes off uh, Seven Sunday. Pray that you would uh, challenge us, instruct us. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Crago. All right, good morning, church. It's so exciting to be here. We are going to get stuck straight into it. Thanks, bro. Um, if you've got your Bibles, 
James 1 verses 2 to 3 should be up on the screens as well. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, it seems kind of strange. I don't think many of us like to see pure joy and trials, especially trials of many kinds in the same sentence. Um, and the story that I want to tell you today revolves around um, one, something that happened to, to David. We know that David faced many trials. Um, and more specifically, um, when, uh, the story of the cave of Adullam. So just a quick background story. We've got David, shepherd boy, loved and anointed by God. He was an, the anointed future king of Israel. He went and killed the giant Goliath. He found favor with the king through that, went and served roughly seven years in King Saul's uh, palace. King Saul became incredibly jealous of the favor and anointing that God had on his life, so much so that he wanted to kill David. And it was actually Saul's son and David's best friend, Jonathan, who said, D, you, you need a bounce. You better get out of here. The buddy's going to come and get you. Then... David proceeds to spend four years fleeing for his life. Talk about perseverance, third time lucky, and trials. Um, we catch up four years later, and David finds himself trapped in the cave. Saul has managed to catch up to him. He's tracked him all the way to the entrance of the cave. Dave and some of his men, who turn out to be mighty men later on, um, you can imagine what they must have felt in there. God, where are you? You know, my life is in the balance here. Do you not love me? Do you not hear my prayers? I'm crying out to you. And then it kind of gets worse. Saul now comes into the cave to relieve himself and ends up being within arm's length of David while he's hiding in the cave. Um, I mean, I can imagine it was probably the lowest of the low point in his life at that point in time. Um, and I just want to push pause there because I think there's a lot of people here in Hope Family. Um, you, might, you might be going through um, some trials, some hardships, um, loss, maybe some failings. And that might look like uh, financial problems. It might look like issues with, with work or your job. It could be relationship or relationships. Um, it could even be your health. And I think it's important to remember that... Um, God doesn't promise that life on earth will be easy. In fact, in 1 Peter 4 verse 12, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you, as if it's some strange thing that has come upon you. It's not the most encouraging thing, but God does promise us that he will never leave us nor forsake us through the highest highs and the lowest lows. He's always there, he's always working, and he's always always good. Coming back to David in the cave, David now is faced with a challenge. He's within arm distance from the king and he's got a choice to make. Is it my life? Is it Saul's life? Is it me and my men or him and his men? Is it my will in this situation or do I do the right thing and let God's will be true in this current situation that I find myself in? And um, we know that David went and cut a piece of Saul's garment off. <clears throat> he chose to spare the king's life. Um, and he didn't know what the outcome of that would be. But he knew it was the right thing to do because he knew that Saul, although having turned his back on God, God chose Saul to be the king of Israel. And he said, I will not lay a hand on the head of God's chosen one. 
And um, <clears throat> although, you know, we don't understand, I, I don't even think he understa- understood why these things were happening to him. In fact, in Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. We know that it was Solomon, David's son, who wrote the Psalms. It's pretty cool. I can imagine him thinking back and being like, it's a pretty good example right there, to just trust the Lord. doesn't matter what happens. We don't understand why it's happening, but we put our faith and trust in God. Um, <clears throat> the outcome of David's decision was that we saw one of the greatest kings in history, one of the greatest lives lived in terms of who we can live, learn from. Um, and also, we can track David's lineage to Jesus. 14 generations, 10 decades later, Jesus comes through that, through that lineage. And um, you can just imagine David as king now, looking back in Psalms 34, 4 to 5 comes to, th- comes to mind. Sorry. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him are radiant, look to him are radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now, coming to the life of Jesus, and we look at the story of the crucifixion, and excuse me if being metaphorical, if you don't think it's right, but you could probably say that Jesus' cave looked like the Garden of Gethsemane. He was also faced with a choice. In fact, he even had that conversation with God. God, take this cup, but if it's your will, I will go and I'll, and I'll do it. And that led him going deeper into the cave to the point where he was beaten. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was spat on. Deeper, had his back up against the cross, and he was killed and um, crucified on the cross. But... Three days later, Jesus came out of that cave. He overcame the tomb for you and for me as the Savior of the world. He is our hope. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, I think that's one of the most encouraging things. In Mark 16, verse 33, uh, he says, I've told you these things that you may have peace. You will have trouble in the world, but I have overcome the world. And, um, and yeah, I just think that's such an amazing thing. Um, Moving on from that, I think it's, well, personally, and this journey that I've been on in the last year, I've really tried to seek God in the trial, seek God, seek the blessing in the trial. Um, And I know that that's incredibly hard to do. But I think it can have a profound effect on who we are, especially on who we are coming out of whatever trial that we may be facing. Um, And I think if we deal with it, you know, like David, obviously, you know, we want to be more Christ-like. That was the ultimate uh, sacrifice. But... We make ourselves more readily available for what God wants to do in our lives and for the kingdom in those crucial moments when we feel like all hope is lost. Family, place your worries on him. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Thanks, Killian. That was awesome. Our hope is not found in the things we own. It's not found in our house or in our cars or in our amazing wife or our you know, the incredible kids, I hope is fine in Jesus. He's living inside of you. He's got your back. He's in your corner. He is fighting. For, he is fighting for you. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 41 verse 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. And turning it back to the opening verse, friends run the race with perseverance. In the hard times, 
have the courage to make the right decisions. It's so easy, especially living in Zimbabwe, to go with the flow, with the status, with whatever's going on. The, the easiest and quickest way out of here, I'm going to go for it, but don't miss out what God wants to do in your life in those times. And in closing, as Craigo comes up, uh, I want to leave you with a verse from Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks. Bang on seven minutes. <laughs> I, I just want to say, give another round for these guys. All of them. Thank you guys so much. Chill. Um, I, there's just been so much to learn that I've taken away that I've learned from, from all three of you I hope for all of us as well and so we want to keep doing these sorts of things we, we want to keep helping people in different areas of service if you're, if you're sitting here and going sheesh where can I be involved in God's family where can I explore faith what can I do please chat to someone at the back say um, we've, we've got a form to fill in I'd love to serve I don't know where but I'd love to um, Hope Cares which we started a while ago about caring for um, just people in need I was just blown away we, we wanted to get meals uh, to, to some people Dave and Jax actually because Jax had just arrived back so we just quickly posted first time ever on Hope Cares hey guys we'd like to do a few meals within two minutes honestly within two minutes we had five people saying I'll do this day I'll do this day I'll do this day I'll do this day I was blown away I was absolutely blown away by people saying we're prepared to help however we can so there's space for everyone to serve and, and you guys served us so well and so Lord Jesus as we get ready to head out uh, from today uh, wherever we are on the journey, we're being invited by a friend, we're here with family, we're visiting for the first time. We don't know what we believe or whether we've known you for a long time. Thank you that there's always one step closer we can take towards you. It might be asking a question. It might be wanting to meet with a leader. It might be starting to serve. Uh, it might be joining a connect group. Whatever it is, Father, I pray that you would speak to us and you would challenge us at our innermost being to take one step towards you. Thank you for this great time together. We pray for a brilliant week ahead. In your powerful name we pray. Amen.